This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Wednesday, November 30th, 2022. I'm Caleb Brown. Charitable giving has been a bright spot amid some pretty dramatic uncertainty over the past few years. And Congress, wouldn't you know it, stands poised to make a great deal of giving more difficult, less effective. Peter Lipset is a vice president at Donors Trust. We discuss the threats from both left and right for charitable giving to the ideas and causes that you love. At the beginning of the pandemic, I know uh, internal discussions, the Cato Institute, as there were at uh, nonprofit organizations across the United States, we weren't really sure how charitable giving was going to hold up uh, for us. Or, And I'm sure this is uh, ubiquitous across the nonprofit world. Uh, but things turned out reasonably well. Uh, how was 2021 in terms of charitable giving? Yeah, you're right. 2020, everyone thought giving was going to go off a cliff. It went up uh, over past successes, actually even down uh, up over a dip that we saw in 2019. It went up. 2021, people thought it would return to the mean. No, it went up again, uh, which was kind of a big surprise to everybody. It actually went up 4% to $484 billion given out. Most of that by individuals. Corporations came back in a little bit. Bequests went down, but most of it's individual dollars. The, the one caveat to that is thanks to inflation, which I know you've talked a lot about on the show, it actually went down 0.7% in real dollars. And so that's a that's a double loss, right? If that continues, that means the donors are going to feel that their dollars aren't going as far, and they really aren't going to be going as far for the charities they're trying to support. And that's a big concern going forward. And the components, when you say 70% is uh, individuals, what is? how does that break down? There's certainly some mega gifts in there, right? I mean, you're, you're very, very large gifts. Um, and there has been this trend, and this is, again, one of those little alarm bells. There is a trend towards more big dollar donations or the higher wealth group giving more to charity and starting to, I wouldn't even say crowd out. It's just the the smaller dollars, the mid-level donors seem to be disappearing. Is that because of tax law changes? Is that because of just an ethos that their dollar isn't doing anything because these mega gifts are crowding things out? That's not really clear. Uh, but that, for me, is one of the concerns on the charitable horizon that we really need to address. We need to bring those dollars in, right? Because uh, Jeff Bezos isn't going to give uh, a lot of money to the local food bank or even to the the local theater group. Those are going to come from small and mid-level donors who really understand it. And so we need to remind people, and I think the pandemic has done this a little bit, the value of their charitable giving. And if you, a, our loyal listener, would like to support the Cato Daily Podcast, you can, of course, uh, do so by going to cato.org slash podcast sponsor. Way to get that plug in. And there. receive my Thanks. Uh, so on to the substance of our discussion here. There are a lot of risks. I know a lot of people give money because they want to give money. A lot of people uh, give some amount of money because there are tax advantages to doing so. Uh, Donors Trust has uh, capitalized on the ability of people to build up wealth to be distributed at a later date in accordance with a donor intent, the donor's wishes. What do you see as the risks, at least from a legal perspective, um, of, of the benefits of giving not being there? There's a couple kind of dark clouds on the horizon. We talked about some of the social risks, the smaller dollars disappearing, the inflation period piece of it all. But the 
from a legal perspective, from what from ways Congress can really screw this up, uh, there's there's two maybe three big things out there. Uh, we've seen heard a lot about HB one that was the voter integrity stuff, the John Lewis bill. Various components of those had a lot of crazy things in there regarding privacy, regarding what disclosure would be required for C threes, five hundred one C three nonprofits like Cato, if they gave on issue advocacy or just talking about issues, things that they're allowed to do uh, that could ultimately end up exposing donors. We're fortunate in that those bills have not gone anywhere, uh, but they're out there. They're not going to go away. They're going to keep getting pounded on. And this is uh, out of, I guess, a a concern that nonprofits, and, and I'll put Cato, Pacific Legal Foundation, and others, nonprofits that Sheldon Whitehouse doesn't like, uh, that any amount of money that goes to these organizations to write amicus briefs at the Supreme Court or advocate on a particular kind of policy, again, not, not, not overtly evolved in politics directly, but that that money, because it might have some influence uh, either in Washington, D.C. or in state capitals, well, we just got to know who these people are. You got to know who those people are. Now, you, you've put it correctly. And frankly, I think a lot of this flows from a sense of envy, uh, a sense of just wanting to be able to peel back the onion and just know, know for knowing's sake. And more cynically, knowing for the sake of being able to point to those donors, shame them, out them, dox them, make them feel that they shouldn't be supporting the things that the the elites do not want you to to know. So um, what in California, I believe they attempted something like this. Right. There was a former attorney general, now vice president, Kamala Harris, actually was the the person who instigated this out in California, where they required 501c3 nonprofits to share what's called the Schedule B, which is where the very top donors get listed. That is not something that's publicly available, although all nonprofits have to file it to the IRS. And it does get leaked occasionally. And it does get leaked occasionally. And that was the basis of the suit, that Americans for Prosperity Foundation, Thomas More Legal Center, both uh, ultimately combined into a suit, pushing back on Attorney General Harris and then subsequently uh, subsequent attorney generals saying, you can't have this because it's not protected. You don't need it. And they ultimately long story short, prevailed at the Supreme Court. California had to pull that, and the copycat bills in New York and some other places had to pull that. I don't think that's a threat that's going away. I think there are a lot of politicians out there who would really like to better understand who the donors are to the organizations that they don't like or that say things about them that they don't like. And frankly, that is not a Democrat-only problem. That is a Republican problem as well. That is a politician uh problem across the board, where they are concerned that messages that are not nice to them are going to come out. Thin skin. Thin skin. And so we've seen it in, I shouldn't rally off state, but, you know, deep red states. I think Iowa had a problem. I think Mississippi had a problem. Uh, and those are driven by by Republicans there. So it's not a problem that's going away. It's something that some great groups like Flame Through Roundtable, People United for Privacy, and others are really monitoring and, and staying on top of. Well, how do you, how do you expect that to shake out? Like, if, if it's a threat that continues to exist, I mean, it wasn't a threat 20 years ago. As far as I could tell. Well, the example that gets cited a lot is the NAACP versus Alabama from the 50s when 
the state wanted the NAACP to reveal its member list. And ultimately, the Supreme Court said, no, you can't do that. That's going to lead to intimidation. We're seeing the same thing here. Unfortunately, the Supreme Court went through that same decision. So uh, there are other risks um, that are on the legal side, but that is that is to say legislation that would uh, compel or cajole or encourage this behavior or not that behavior. One of them is there are these large foundations. Uh, you know, Harvard has a massive endowment. Various uh, uh, companies have endowments that they've set aside uh, money for giving and, and elsewhere. And, you know, Harvard, for example, has been excoriated for not handing out this massive amount of money and moving it to to students. This is an issue that's coming up on both sides, right? J.D. Vance has said that these large endowments need to be broken up, uh, and you've heard it on the, the left as well. And frankly, it's a bit of a concern. Yes, are they very large? Absolutely. Are there other things that they might be doing with their money? Yeah, probably. But it's their money. At the end of the day, that's what so much of this boils down to. It's the donor's money. It's the nonprofit's money. And we believe in free speech and we believe in these people to make the decisions, even if we don't like them, that are going to be in the the interests of what their mission is. What is the ACE Act? ACE Act is another one of these threats that's out there. The Accelerating Charitable Efforts Act, really led by a law professor in Boston named Ray Madoff, who has been banging this drum for a long time. She's not a fan of donor-advised funds, calls them warehouses of wealth. But she has found a partner in Enron billionaire John Arnold, who is a, a great philanthropist. He and his wife have done some some terrific things in the criminal justice space and uh, in a lot of different other areas. I read their papers regularly. Absolutely. and uh, But he has partnered with them, and they have ultimately got a bill called the ACE Act um, that is in Congress now. Uh, struggling to find some co-signers, and it's starting to look less and less like a bipartisan effort as they originally tried to do it. But essentially what it'll do is push donor-advised funds like Donors Trust and and the Fidelity Charitables and Schwab Charitables, et cetera, to you push their donors to get money out the door faster. It also has some components around private foundations where it really looks down upon families who try to bring their family members in to lead foundations, uh, even if those are the right people to be leading those foundations, it, it has no, it, it assumes malintent on the families of these these private foundations that they are clearly just using them as pastors to give money to their son or something. And it assume, assumes malintent on the donors using donor advised fund that they're just looking for a tax break. In both cases, these are people who have taken this money voluntarily and put it in vehicles that ultimately have to go to charity. The time frame can be varied, but those dollars have to go to charity charity at some point. And I don't think that we should have these efforts out there trying to cast that in a bad light. Peter Lipset is a vice president at Donors Trust. We spoke earlier this year. Subscribe to and rate the Cato Daily Podcast on your podcast platform of choice and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast. <laughs>